Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1860, the topic is training and the title is How to Train Around Injuries and Special Conditions. In our gym, we have a member Q&A board. We have white index cards with uh, some black markers, and members can write down any questions they have, and then I'll make a podcast for them. One of the cards that was posted recently said, how to train with uneven hips. So if we look at that, there's actually, that can mean quite a few things uh, to me. (laughs) Um, Is it uneven hips as in the each hip socket is tilted differently? Because that does happen. Is it uneven hips because you have different leg lengths? That does happen. Me, for example, I broke, uh, I think it's my right leg when I was a baby. So it's a little shorter than my left leg. So I have to adjust for that. You can also have uneven hips due to scoliosis. Maybe the spinal column is uneven. And that's causing some of the, the unevenness, the difference that they're seeing. Now, all of these conditions, it is possible for sure to train very well, very successfully with each of these kind of physical conditions as well as many other conditions, as well as temporary injuries. So uneven hip tilts, for example, my mom has that. But we've done three bodybuilding shows and she has two elite totals. She's done over 10 powerful meets and she did all of that at 50 years old or older. (laughs) Uh, Uneven leg lengths, I've helped a client do multiple powerlifting meets in a bikini competition with uneven leg lengths. I myself have uneven leg lengths, and I've done pretty well over the years. <laughs> um, scoliosis, I've helped clients strength train for athletics to still be able to play in sports and do powerlifting, even though they had scoliosis, so that can be possible. Uh, out of my current clients, some of the physical conditions we're working through. Uh, some of the client, like one client has a protruding cossacks, which is a longer tailbone, and that changes kind of our exercise selection on what we can do in our programming so that way she doesn't feel a bruise in that area, doesn't feel too much pain in that area. Another client has a bruise uh, condition right now with their xiphoid process uh, where your ribs meet, the bottom of where your ribs meet. They bruised that area and they're having to work through that. So I'm helping with that. Another client had a hernia surgery uh, and they've tried to get back into strength training, try to get back into bodybuilding, but unsure of how to do that when you've had past histories of hernia. Another client has, uh, we're working through gastric bypass surgery recovery, and there's a certain way you have to train that way to where you can increase strength, promote new muscle tissue, but you do it with the lowest amount of caloric burn whatsoever because they're very limited in what they can eat. So we want to promote strength improvement. We want to promote muscle growth, but we have to do it with absolute minimum caloric usage. And that's a very unique way to train. I have clients that come after, that are coming out of eating disorders, and we're working through how to stay active so they can feel that they're earning the right to eat more food, but we're not burning more calories than we're trying to eat, which is actually negating the process. I have a client who's had multiple C-sections and we're getting back into powerlifting. I have a client right now who's pregnant (laughs) and we're learning how to train and manage that. Uh, Another client had a history of lumbar disc herniation and she's badass and doing crazy fun CrossFit stuff 
even in spite of that. Another client had a history of really tight muscles that led to a lot of muscle pulls and strains. He did a bodybuilding show, wanted to get strong, but he's run into just injury and injury and issue after issue after issue. So we started working together and now he's been injury free. Another client, chronic lower back pain for decades. We've completely gotten rid of that, and they deadlift over like 500 pounds. Uh, tons of clients with some old knee injuries or old shoulder injuries and other issues. And that's just my current clients. <laughs> so um, I've worked with over 3,000 people, so that list gets a hell of a lot longer uh, if you start looking back in the past. But this is what I love in the sense of getting to help somebody who is struggling, getting to show them, hey, you can still do kick-ass, amazing, cool things. You can still have the life you want, even in spite of this condition, whether it's temporary or permanent. I love being able to show people that they can still be complete badasses and do cool stuff because I know what it feels like to be on the other side, to feel like you can't control things, to feel like there's nothing you can do, uh, to feel like you're denied the life that you want. That is a shitty feeling, absolutely awful feeling. And I don't want anyone to ever feel this, <laughs> that feeling. So if I've felt something and it didn't feel good, I want to save as many people as I can from that feeling. And um, hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, if it seemed interesting to you, if you're struggling through any injury or kind of special condition, I hope that you can find hope <laughs> and you can find a way to work towards that and still live a, a fun, awesome, amazing life and still surprise yourself with what you can do. So in all of these cases, we found a progressive way to manage their nutrition and training so they could still be their best self while living with the condition, whether it's permanent or temporary. Now, in order for us to do that, we just follow the basics. I realize that I am very boring sometimes <laughs> because I always come back to the basics before I like give you guys more special details. And it's probably frustrating, but at the same time as I don't want to discount the basics. We actually had a podcast, podcast 1852, so not too many ago. It was an in-depth subject that's the like because we have like nutrition training q a a recent one i started doing was called in depth and i wanted to make longer podcasts where i go deeper into the details and i'm still learning how to do that because this most recent one i think that came out yesterday was only like 35 maybe 40 minutes uh i, I want to get deeper into the details but i don't want to lose what's most important and that's why the first thing i started with with those in-depth series was podcast 1852 titled don't discount the basics because so many people they look at all these like nuancey weird things but they don't take the time to just make sure the nutrition is on point or that their training makes any feasible sense <laughs> um like i've had i can't tell you the number of times that people ask me about a certain supplement or they ask me about a certain type of uh, rehab therapy or some type of progressive thing that they can get done, uh, you know, PRP and all these other injections and all this stuff. But yet you ask them about their nutrition and they either don't even know how they're eating or they're eating so poorly that it's like, oh, you're, that special thing you're looking for is, is, isn't going to help. You know, I can have brand new running shoes, but if I have a broken leg, it doesn't really matter much, right? I'm not going to be beating Usain Bolt. <laughs> Even if my leg wasn't broken, I wouldn't be doing that. But <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to find much improvement in getting brand new shoes if I have a broken leg, right? 
my point, why I always come back to these basic things, why I'm probably annoying, is I don't want you to try to get, like, don't spend all your money on brand new shoes. Don't spend all your time researching into the best brand new shoes. If you have a broken leg, fix your leg. You know, like, fix the basics. Get the basics. Then when we have the basics, we can do the coolest stuff in the world. We can get the brand new shoes. We can do all that. So get the basics on point, and then you can do all the cool stuff. Now, when we're looking at working through injuries and special conditions, I do start at the basics with every client. I Over half of my clients are personal trainers, and when I start working with them, I've even told some of them, because it kind of depends. You can kind of tell right away. Some people are like, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, great. Or some of them, they'll tell me a lot of like why they th- like why they did what they did. They're like, well, I'm doing this because this and this and this. And I'm doing this because this and this and this. And they want me to know that they're not an idiot. <laughs> they have really good intent. They have great decision making. But something is just challenging. Something's off. Something's missing. And what I want to do is when I talk to them, I'm like, hey, let's, let's start at the basics. I know you probably covered like everything that you know to cover. Let's look at what I know and let's see if there's anything missing. Let's see if there's anything we can improve. I really don't want it to come across as, um, you know, me questioning somebody's knowledge. I'm still learning new things every day. So everybody can learn. But what I, what I want to do with them is to ensure that they don't have a broken leg. Let's make sure we're not missing something where the small nuancey stuff doesn't seem to be working. Maybe it's because we don't have something in the basics done. So even when I work with people who are, you know, trainers, high level athletes, I always start at the basics. So if you are a trainer or a high level athlete, start at the basics. If you're not, still start at the basics because that's where everybody needs to start. So for training, when we structure their workouts, it's always we always start the day with some type of movement prep. I typically focus on hip and shoulder mobility and core strength. If you take care of those things, the body's going to move a lot better. It's everything in the whole workout's going to go better. You're going to get less joint stress. You're going to get less muscle annoyance, less total inflammation and like negative inflammation. Everything is going to go better. They can perform better. They can, you know, do an extra rep here or there, extra five pounds here or there. Just everything goes better when we prepare the body to move. Now, I was watching a video recently. Somebody on YouTube was showing like the theories they use, and they were doing a 30-minute warm-up, then 30 minutes of weight training, then a 30-minute cool-down. I was like, oh, for the love of God, that's so unnecessary. You do not need to do an hour and a half of stuff in the gym. And that was what they had their clients do every time. And I'm like, oh my God, why would they need 30 minutes of prep? How bad is your programming that they're so jacked up that they need 30 minutes to get moving again? <laughs> like, that is not good. That, I, to me, it's overkill. You were looking at some of the things they were doing, like I was watching you know, some of their categories and movements. And I'm like, why would you do this if you just did that? Or why are you doing this? Because that doesn't even, that's not even needed for the day. So... The movement prep that I like to do, you can learn about in podcast 1112. It's called the best warm-up routine. We do that in probably like somewhere between like 8 to 12 minutes once the client gets used to the like the patterning and the sequence. It might be 8-12 minutes and, and that's pretty much all we need. Then we uh, would go into like explosive work if the, if the person does any type of bodyweight explosion or sprinting efforts or anything that's uh, bodyweight short duration high intensity. We would do that next. Then we go into our strength movement, kind of the strongest thing we do for the day. If it's bodybuilding, you're still going to have like the heaviest weight load 
item that you're going to do. So maybe you're going to do, you know, for chest, maybe you're going to do some really heavy dumbbell presses, but then you would go to a machine press, then maybe a machine flies. So there's still going to be something in the day that's your heaviest thing. If you're CrossFit, you're going to have your strength component. If you're powerlifting, damn near everything you're doing is heavy. <laughs> so whatever the heaviest thing is, we do our movement prep. We do explosive work if that applies to that person. We do our strength movement, our heaviest thing for the day. Then we do our muscle damage work, which is still weight-loaded things that are challenging. They they beat the muscles up, damage the muscles for growth or shape or whatever we're working for. And then cardio Depending on the person, depending on the goals, we either do cardio to be, like before um, the session, we either like blend it in during the session, or we do it after the session, or we don't do it at all. <laughs> so maybe we get enough cardio for that person's goal just in the way we structure the programs. But that's what we do for training. It's just those categories. You just make sure you address those categories. Movement prep, explosive work, if that applies to that person, the strongest movement of the day, then your other muscle damage work, and then you put cardio in where it makes most sense depending on if the cardio is the true thing that they want to improve or if the cardio is just a secondary element of the programming. That would kind of give you an idea of where to place it in the workout. For nutrition, basics. Calories. Make sure we're eating enough. Make sure we're not overeating just right in the window. Um, make sure we have enough protein. Make sure we're not over-consuming sugars, especially outside of training time. And then make sure the timing of when we eat makes sense. Eat more when you're more active. Eat less when you're less active. That's it. Then the other stuff we look at is sleep quality, hydration, stress management, and then priority and task management. So that way, if we know what we should be doing in training, we have to be able to actually train. You have to get to the gym and do what we got to do. Or if you train at home, make sure you set aside the time. So we talk about how to manage priorities, manage tasks for the day so they can get their training in and they can get their nutrition in. So that's all the stuff that we talk about. So when I've worked with Olympic-level athletes, professional athletes, when I've worked with high-level elite powerlifters, IFBB pro card, natural pro card athletes, when I've worked with all like the top of the top, this is still the same stuff we do. It's the same stuff I do with somebody who doesn't even know the difference between a barbell and a dumbbell. We always, always, always start at these basics. Now, the details definitely differ. <laughs> so... When it comes to like the individual challenges with various conditions, one of the things you look at in training would be exercise selection. So for the client with a protruding caustics, I'm not going to have them do any abdominal work on the ground that would involve like say a sit-up. I don't want them rolling on their hip, on their tailbone. We're also not going to do, you know, crunches on a bench because, the, the, again, the tailbone is being pressured into the ground. So when we work on core, we're going to be doing things where the tailbone isn't pressed into the floor or pressed into something. We might be doing, uh, you know, cable pile-off twists. That's a great way to not, in, like, annoy the tailbone but still do core work. We can do hanging leg raises. We can do planks, side planks. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a ton of stuff you can do uh, for core work that doesn't, impact the protruding caustics, the, the long tailbone. The client with the injured xiphoid process, we just don't want any chest put pressure. We're not going to do like a chest supported back row uh, or like a seal row because I don't want them pushing their chest into a bench. We're also, for chest work right now, we're just going to be doing some really light time under tension stuff. So maybe they're going to do some machine chest flies. But we might do, in, do sets of like 90 seconds <laughs> where the weight load isn't high 
we're not going to be causing a lot of pull and tugging and straining on the xiphoid process, but maybe we're going to get some blood flow through there just to help clear up, uh, you know, old blood and the bruising, help bring in new nutrients into the area. So we're going to pick exercises based on what that person's individual needs are. You know, for the client with the hernia surgery, I'm not going to have them do anything that isn't equally weighted. So I'm not going to do like a suitcase carry or a suitcase deadlift. Good God, why would I do that to that person? <laughs> um, we're going to do everything where the spine is perfectly straight, perfectly braced. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't challenge the spine. You know, like we do, uh, I actually put yoke walks in her program. We've done uh, farmer's carries. We just want everything to be like balanced and perfectly precise. We don't want any flexion in the lumbar. We don't want any rolling of the hips, you know, forward, posterior tilting. Everything just has to be very clean, and we pick exercises that allow her to do that. So all of these individual situations, exercise selection does come into play. Then if we look at weight load intensities, that can come into play as well. So for example, the xiphoid process client. We're not going to be doing heavy chest work. <laughs> Hell no. Um, now, can we do heavier work for maybe on the leg press? Yeah, if they can if they can hold their breath without that bruising or hurting the area, we would want to do that as heavy as we could. If that was actually too painful, maybe we would do heavy work on a leg extension instead because that's not as much internal pressure buildup as a leg press would be. So I might be managing exercise selection and weight load intensity based on if I want to decrease internal pressure. The client with the hernia surgery, for example, we can do yoke walks. You can do the heaviest damn thing in the world. You can have them walk around with stuff on their back more than they can squat because as long as their position is correct, then there's no worries there. So um, the, the lumbar disc herniation, like that's the thing that as well as the hernia is everything has to be just balanced and braced. Uh, we don't want a lot of flexion. We don't want a lot of twisting. Uh, you know, for example, weight load intensities like pregnancy. One of my clients is pregnant right now. We, when we look for like, say, strength stuff, I, I'm not going to look for them to be doing like one rep max. So we might be doing, you know, a heavy set of five, but they stop when they know they could have done a six and maybe a seventh rep. But it's still heavier than sets of 20. So everything kind of skews a little bit for that individual person. The weight load intensity is just, okay, what works for this person? Like what challenges them but doesn't hurt them? And then look at training frequency. If somebody's coming back, like one of my clients, actually I forgot to write this, one of my clients has um, a, uh, an issue with their thumb related to work. And it's basically when they grab something, like say a bench press, when they have to grab something and it's pushing into their hand, that causes an extreme amount of pain. But if it's a deadlift, they can hold on to it, but it's pulling into the fingers, no pain whatsoever. So we're looking at exercise selection. We can do very heavy loads for movements that have a hang hold position. But for any movement in which they would have to be overhead, like a, you know, like a bench press or an overhead press, we're not going to do it all. Or we're going to skip that and maybe do like a banded resistance or some other variation. But these are the kind of choices we make is we, in training, you ask, what can I do that challenges me but doesn't hurt me? 
What can I do that will cause muscle strain, cause the muscles to burn, cause the muscles to be fatigued, but I don't feel stabbing pain in my joints. I don't feel an aching pain in my joints for the next day or two afterwards. So you're looking at what challenges me, but what doesn't hurt me. Recovery-wise, if they're not recovering between sessions, maybe you have to adjust the frequency or the weight load intensity or, or put in more isolative exercises rather than compound exercises to bring down the overall stress and damage of the workouts. But before you do any of that, I would look at their nutrition. I would make sure, okay, are they eating enough calories? Are they eating enough protein? Are they staying hydrated? One of my clients right now is struggling with hydration, and she's talking about having tight muscles, especially in around her hips. So she'd be like, oh, you know, I really feel a strain on my hamstring when I'm doing like a side lunge. But I've only drank 16 ounces of water for the last couple of days. No, <laughs> that's not, I'm not going to adjust the training as much as I would be like, hey, can we fix the water first? You know, can we fix hydration first? Say they can't or they're struggling with that, then yeah, I'm going to change the training. But we're going to try to still address the hydration issue and then come back to uh, side lunges and other movements. But so often people will start to adjust training, but they don't really look at nutrition. Am I eating enough calories? Am I eating enough protein? Do I have enough hydration? Am I eating at the right times? You know, if I don't eat anything all morning, then I work out midday and then I eat all my food at night, I'm going to feel like shit and I'm going to move like shit because that's just a horrible way to eat compared to when our body actually needs the foods. We need food before and during the training, not all after the training. You will not feel well. You will not perform well if you were to eat that way where you don't eat anything basically all morning. You work out midday, then you eat all your food at the end of the day. So that's what one of my clients used to do. So we had to fix that. Then we look at nutrition. What we're looking to do with that is just find foods and schedules that they can be consistent with. You know, given the calories that we are calorie goal or protein goal or sugar goal, given the fact that we want to eat more and we move more, eat less when we move less. What can I eat that I'll like enough to be consistent with? So one of my clients eats eggs and bagel for breakfast. Another client has a protein shake. Sometimes they'll mix like a P2 protein powder into it. Another client has like a little bag of nuts and coffee in the morning and then they're out the door. It's just finding what works for you. Like what's going to help you hit your calorie goals, your protein goals, keep your sugars low, and get you more food in throughout the day. So we just eat whatever works best for that person. Now, granted, you here, like I'm not saying one of my clients eats, you know, a bowl of candy or a bowl of ice cream. Is that the end of the world? No. But is that a breakfast that you're going to want to have every day? No. <laughs> so, but some of my clients, if they train in the morning, are we going to have maybe like Gatorade powder mixed with protein isolate? Hell yeah, we are. Because that would be totally great to have right before they work out. We want to have a little bit of sugars because they don't have a lot of glycogen carrying over from the next day, which is like stored carbohydrates and the muscles that you use for energy. So we want to give them some energy before they start working out. You don't want to work out in a fasted state. You will not optimize your performance. You will not optimize your adaptations. So breakfast, for example, you just find, okay, knowing the calories I need, the protein I need, the sugar, the timing considerations, what can I eat that I'll like enough to be consistent with? And then when we pay attention to the other things, you know, how's your sleep? What can we do to get more consistency in sleep or get better quality and depth of sleep? You might not always be able to get better quantity, but you can get better quality. What about stress? If a person's highly stressed, their training is going to suffer, their adaptations are going to suffer, their aesthetics are going to suffer because they have really high cortisol, which is going to cause water retention and kind of like softness in the skin. They're also, if they're highly stressed, they might respond by overeating to manage the stress, or they might respond by undereating 
to manage the stress. So we have to look at stress. Then we look at priority and task management. It doesn't do you any good to have what you should do on paper. <laughs> you have to actually do it in real life. So having a program is great, but doing the program is actually what matters. And that's why I like to help people with learning how to manage their daily tasks, manage their daily schedules, their focus for the day, their priorities for the day, so they can get in what they need to get in. But when we look at how to train around injuries and special conditions, I realized that a lot of what I said today is kind of like conceptual because I wanted to include pretty much any condition or pretty much any injury that a person might be listening to this for. But that is, uh, those elements are what we look at. When we look at training, we ask, what can I do that challenges me but doesn't hurt me? I look at specific exercise selection, weight load intensity, how often am I lifting heavy, am I lifting too heavy, and then frequency. Am I working out in general enough or not enough? And then that also correlates with nutrition. So for nutrition, if you're working through a special condition, if you're working through an injury, especially an injury, you have to make sure you have enough calories and protein to repair and rehab that injured tissue. So you want to account for your calories, your protein, make sure you keep sugars low, make sure your timing is good, you know, eat more when you move more, eat less when you move less. So the question you ask yourself in training was, what can I do that challenges me but doesn't hurt me? And then for nutrition is, what can I eat that I'll like enough to be consistent with? And then in order to help you come back uh, from the injury, in order to help you train around the special condition, make sure you pay attention to the other things, sleep, stress, and priority and task management. Okay. I hope that was helpful. If you have any questions specific to your condition, so for this member, I'll be giving them more uh, detailed, specific personal information. But if you have any special conditions, any issues like that, just reach out. You can set up right now a free 15-minute consultation. I'll talk with you about what your condition is, talk about what I'd suggest, and then you can either do that on your own or you can hire me and I'll help you get through it. Uh, but that's what the free 15-minute consultation is for. You can sign up, just email me at brutalirongym at gmail.com, or you can go on our website, uh, www.brutalirongym.com, go to one-on-one services, and there's a link there for a questionnaire that I'll gather some basic information, then we'll have the virtual consultation. If you just email me, I'll send you the link anyhow. So either way, you're going to get that questionnaire. Either way, I'll get some information, and then we'll set up and talk. Cool. Okay, well... If you need anything, reach out. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jam. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.